content warning. This podcast contains coarse language and cheeky themes. So if you've got kids in the car, colleagues in the office, or a nonna in the kitchen, chuck some headphones in. Who the bloody hell are we? Conversations about immigration and culture in Australia with your hosts, Mel and Sonia. Hello, listeners, and welcome to today's episode. My name is Sonia Diorio, and joining me once again is my co-host, Melissa Viola. Hello. Hello, gorgeous. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, too. (laughs) You can tell we're caffeinated and ready to go. (laughs) That's like my regular state is caffeinated. Um, Episode six. Oof, we're here already. Sad times. Season two, almost over. Yeah, it does mean uh, this is our final episode of this season. We will be taking about a month break, so we won't be releasing any of our regular episodes, but we will still um, release our bonus episode for our Patreon listeners and our fortnightly newsletter and then kick off season three later in the year. And it's conveniently timed with you going back into lockdown. You are part of that poor, poor list of uh, suburbs that have gotten the lockdown, baby. Not good enough. Look, I'm not really doing much anyway. (laughs) It's not really much of a change. Oh, I've got to cancel all my comedy gigs that I don't have. (laughs) Um, But what a wonderful way to end season two with an excellent comedy guest. We have Ivan Aristegueta. Perfect. Thanks for joining us. I love people with ethnic backgrounds who can pronounce my name. Yeah, well, I did watch (laughs) one of your YouTube clips where you introduced yourself about 20 times. (laughs) Oh, my God. I did the same. That's amazing. Uh, Well, just a bit about you. You're a comedian. You've uh, performed all around the country and at uh, the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. Um, You've been on the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Gala, one of the biggest gigs in Australia. Yes. And been on TV shows like the project and have you been paying attention and you're here with us today thanks so much for joining us thank you so much this is exciting i'm doing i'm doing nothing today so this is i know (laughs) yeah that is a big intro but it's like (laughs) i I also didn't include a lot of things that you've done um you've done a lot of comedy in melbourne um we we know each other we're comedy colleagues yes yes performed gigs in melbourne victorian comedy community yes but p- prior to that, you were based in Adelaide. Yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. prior to that, you're from Venezuela. Venezuela. So, yeah. yes, I arrived to Adelaide uh, as an immigrant mm-hmm. in a, in a uh, permanent, uh, sorry, temporary resident visa. Yeah. And uh, that I, th- I think that visa doesn't exist anymore. It was a, a, um, a s- state-sponsored visa. Right. Mm. And uh, South Australia, um, along with other places, is called a regional visa. Which uh, places that are con- uh, considered regional, they they they're looking for more more people and yep. more professionals. So I I I I didn't apply as a comedian. I applied as my other uh, like my sidekick, my other profession, which your is your muggle job. <laughs> my <laughs> muggle, exactly, you can take that. exactly, <laughs> my non-magical job. Yeah, um, uh, I am a food technologist. Mm, just on the side, you That's know. Fancy. Just yeah, <laughs> so I, I study a lot in uh, uh, everything food related, mostly factories and food science, and yeah. and then I studied uh, um, brewing, cool. and um, yeah, that that was my world for a while after before becoming a comedian. Yeah, and that's like a booming industry in Australia, so I can understand why they were like, yeah. yes, please come here. Yeah. So, where, how long before you decided to move here? Till the actual move. So I had in my, but the first time I came to Australia was in 2004. Mm-hmm. It, it was, uh, I actually studied uh, in, uh, in in Queensland in, in South Bank TAFE. Yeah. Uh, I studied food technology there. I got a diploma in food technology. And um, then uh, I came with my girlfriend at the time who eventually became my wife, who eventually became my ex-wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we stayed in Brisbane for two years, 2004 and five, And then uh, my mum had a tragic accident. And then I thought, mm, I'm a bit far away from, from, from yeah. Venezuela. Let me be a little bit closer. So after that, I, I, we went to, to Venezuela to check on my family. But mm-hmm. then, because we wanted to leave. Like, a, a lot of people, a lot of my, from, my, from my circles, from my family and friends were... were uh, um, Seeing that the, the the country wasn't going anywhere, it wasn't right. going to. So uh, a, a lot of people, immigration started then 
even then, like in 2004, uh, already people were like, yeah. no, this is not, this yeah. is not looking good. Um, so I came here as a student and then the idea was to, to, to try to change the visa status and, and become a permanent resident and then becoming a citizen. And then the tragedy, no, it wasn't a tragedy. My mom's okay now, but, um, um, we moved to Spain. That's what I was gonna. Because oh. I always wanted. I I never as a as a Spanish um, a son and grandson. Yeah. I've never lived in Spain. Mm-hmm. I never. And I think it's a for any son, a second generation, first generation immigrant. You you have to go back to understand your family just yes. to get it. It was brilliant just to live in a in a place where. Um, even the women, because my, my dad is not Spanish, my dad's Venezuelan, but my mm. mom and my grandma are, the women communicated very similarly and the same intonation and then the smells of the place and then things that you've, you've never been there, but you feel like you've been there. Yeah. There's something weird about about that, like the, the stories and the food and, 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 and the music. There's something that they transmit they pass it on to you and you've never been to these places mm. and then you find yourself in these places and you go, I've been here before yeah. and you've never been there. And I think I needed it. I needed it to understand my family a bit more. Um, um, the, uh, you know, uh, um, idios- uh, there's a word that I don't know if it exists in English. I'm just going to say it in Spanish mm-hmm. with the twist in English. Some, <laughs> it works. Sometimes it works. I'm trying to understand it. <laughs> Idiosyncrasy? Yeah, it, that's, yeah. that's a word. It, yeah. Idiosyncrasia. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You got it. <laughs> to understand the idiosyncrasy of my mama and grandma. Yeah. Well, I know the word, but I don't understand what it means. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, That's it, my poor English skills. It's like, it's like uh, the know-how of, of a culture. The right. nitty-gritties. The nitty-gritties. The, the things the that bring it all together. Yeah, culture, yeah. yeah. The, the, how they do things. I get that. My, my favourite moment, one of my favourite memories of being in Italy was I was in this very small town up the top. My auntie's um, brother lives there and she's like, oh, come, uh, we're going for a, a baptism. Just come and visit this town. Yeah. Um, and I met her family and that sort of thing and one of her nephews and we were just chatting one night and uh, he's like, oh, she's from Australia. She sounds like us. Because yeah. I was speaking in like, because I didn't learn Italian growing up. I just learnt my parents' dialect. Yeah. And so to speak proper Italian, people know. Mm-hmm. But for the dialect, when you get it right, it's like, oh, he thinks I sound like them. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's, yeah, it felt it's very beautiful. cool. Yeah. And there's another thing about the, the, when you also connect in, um, with the, f- physical appearance similarities. Yes. Totally. Um, my mum my, my, yes. my has a couple of cousins that I've never seen. Mm. My mum and, and my dad and my grandma, they're back, they, they're back in Spain. They live mm-hmm. in Spain now because the situation in Venezuela is terrible. And uh, when, I, when I see, when I, when I met them, I saw them when I was little, like I don't even remember. But when I, there's, there's some sort of connection. It's like, they mm. just, they look like me. I yeah. look like them. Totally. Uh, there's something weird here. That's that incredible. I, it's total strangers. It's, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And they go, yeah, because uh, you you remind me a lot of my dad. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. How can I, like. That's really sweet. Like, your dad is my grandma's brother. Mm. I don't know. And they go, yeah, you do the things like this. You have the same f- uh, facial expressions. And, and you love to cook like my dad. And it's like, what? You can't, yeah, you can't mm. deny yeah. the connection. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. My mum's an only child, so I had my nonny and I had my mum. That's all I knew of that side of the family. So yeah. then when we went and met her cousins, who were basically like her siblings, it was like, oh, shit, <laughs> that you're totally my family. I yeah. definitely yeah. understand it's that. Like, it's, it's, that it's, it's like electricity. You yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really nice. My mum's got a cousin who looks a lot like her and a lot like me, and they had a black and white photograph of her, and Dad's like... Oh, I just don't remember that we've ever had a f- black and white photograph of Sonia. Like, why is this photo black and white? And it was Mum's cousin wow. from when she was younger. Yeah. Wow. So it is. It is incredible to it um. Is. Yeah, to see that connection. I love immigration stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a, the idea of this podcast is great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, can I ask? Going back, why did you decide to go to Australia in two thousand four, two thousand five? Like, why was it Australia the place to study? At the time in two thousand three, there was a. a, a, a national strike on in the in the um, oil industry and it was yeah. the number one uh, industry in Venezuela and then because 
the 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 president at the time Chavez uh, terrible he so the, the the strike was to get him out of the power mm-hmm. and he resisted and what he did was he 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 fired every single person on national television uh, who went on strike wow so he fired like hundreds of people name by name Jesus. on a long like hours of, of just main and, and then going, you're out like that. Like a Trump mm. thing, the same thing. Yeah. But instead Except of a, real inst- life. Inst- yeah, yeah. Instead of right right wing Trump, it's a left wing Trump. Was yeah. exactly the same yeah. thing. And um so we were considering going overseas and uh, we wanted to be in somewhere where we speak English because English is, is always good to to we, we we spoke both of us, my ex and I we both uh, spoke the language but not in a in a fluent, super fluent way, mm-hmm. and we wanted to improve our English and live in an English-speaking country. And then we saw that all the the, the options like uh, um, England and America and Australia, the the most affordable for international students was Australia. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Romantic and logical. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, from what I've read about Venezuela and seen on the news about the issues, it's a combination of the economic mismanagement of the government but also like huge corruption mm. and just like terrible yeah uh w- would they consider their leaders um as dictators yes yeah yes 100% yes yes yeah. yes yeah totally yeah. totally it's uh it's tough and uh, and now it's harder than than ever to leave yeah mm. so there's so many issues but there's also <laughs> No way to fight back because there's just too much power. Yeah, because the the, there's a lot of um, and I totally support the 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 uh, um, any uh, movement that um, um, that is that that uh, stands against injustice. Mm-hmm. The the um, some countries are more popular than others. Yeah, and uh, sadly. Uh, Venezuela, uh, the the, um, I think two years ago or three years ago, there were big riots in Venezuela. Yeah, and then the government just shot at them like proper bullets that killed um, protesters. And mm. it's not, you know, it's horrific. It's horrific, and uh, and there's a lot of countries like and that that uh, are yeah. not that. Sadly, and I understand, and I'm not like, oh, this is uh, poor Venezuela. There's many countries that there's not that many interests in a global way. So there's a lot of stuff going on that people go, eh. But if it happens in America, which is like mm-hmm. the yeah, well, it's like the attention. Uh, humanitarian crisis in Yemen at the moment. It's yeah. like there's nothing on mainstream news about nothing. It. I remember yeah. seeing news reports about Venezuela yeah. a few years ago at the time, but then. Yeah. It, it kind of dies down because, mm-hmm. like, you have a major horrific event like that and then it's kind of like, oh, well, that's what that country's like so we're not going to exactly. report on it. It becomes kind of normal. And we like, had we had our cam- – or Venezuelans, we had our, our, our social media campaign. It was hashtag SOS Venezuela. Yeah, yeah. And um, eh, nothing happened. It didn't – yeah. <laughs> it's – yeah, I, I think something that people don't realise – about um, refugees or immigrants in this country is that when they do come from countries where there's, you know, extreme poverty or economic downturn or that's war-torn, people think of that as, oh, they come from Venezuela and Venezuela's a poor country or, like, they come from Syria and Syria's war-torn and they don't realise that there's a time before that. Mm -hmm. It's like it it is... That country times. now, mm. yeah, but yeah. It, it it's in uh, economic turmoil because of the dictators, yeah. and you know countries are war torn because they've been invaded and yeah. they've been bombed. Yep. There's been times of prosperity uh, where they have lived just as we live with yeah. freedoms. Yeah. They're not different. They're not like ah, oh, poor them. They're from that kind of country, and I think that builds like a disconnect for people that yeah. sees. You know, because everybody judge according to their their their, their status quo, according to the mm. the reality, and it's weird to understand. Like, I know I've been living here for almost eight years, and I get it that some people don't understand how bad it is in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you cannot process. Yeah, yeah. Um, for example, the, one of 
I, I love this country so much. One of the many things that I love about Australia is that safety, that safety net mm. that uh, not that many countries have. Yeah. Like even now with the whole pandemic, I'm so grateful to be in Australia during this pandemic because yeah. I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm on JobKeeper. Yeah. And I, it, it was hard for me to understand that. Like I didn't, I didn't even apply. Uh, I was it, like, I was talking to a, another friend who is an immigrant, so Sammy Shaq, comedian. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, we never process that we can do that and get money because we can, for us, the government never gives you money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why would that happen? Like, yeah, why? You can't, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I go, okay, I've paid a lot of taxes. That makes sense. But uh, it's, it's like, this is how a country it's should It's a low-risk society. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even like, uh, sorry, you were saying? Oh, yeah. no, no. I was just going to say that it is a low-risk society and then people fall through the cracks and then we are devastated. But I guess it's like one of those things where we can't stop being devastated and we still need to hold our country accountable Absolutely. for all these people that are falling Absolutely. into poverty. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, then we also need to reflect. And we kind of spoke about this with Seren last week, that yeah. we yeah. are a lucky country just globally where we are placed. Yeah. And the fact that it, even though it's something as, you know, it's water, but it's protecting us. And yeah. our location yeah. in the world is what makes us lucky on top of the fact that we have a democracy, but we should still be outraged that people are falling through the cracks and, and that people are absolutely. still living in tents after fires from the start yeah. of the year, that people are not surviving currently because they don't have any money because there's no jobs and the government's going to cut JobKeeper in September. But at the same time, then we also have to reflect and be like, yeah, but yeah. we're not Venezuela. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's really hard to kind of live in both, have... Feet yeah. in both really parts different. of that. Or, or America. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> My mm. God. Um, I saw recently on, on YouTube, this is a, a, a band that I, that I started following because I saw the, the Tiny Desk concert, which oh, I, I love those. Tiny Desk. And the band is called Moonchild. And uh, right in the middle of the set, uh, the singer that talks about uh, um, Black Lives Matter. But mm. this, this recording was... Uh, like four years, years before. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a problem that's been going on for yeah. decades in, in America. Like, this is not like this year. Centuries. Really. Uh, centuries. centuries, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a th- it, the wording the, the, uh, uh, that she used is like, you have to share your privilege. Yes. Like, and, and I, I think she also ho- uh, said, like, some people are hoarding their privilege. Yeah. And that's why you say, like, when you're in a good country, when you have, it's and is it? It's not. Um, it's not charity. Is solidarity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are just little consequences. People don't understand that when you have a lot, you sometimes you have a lot and you did nothing for it. You just mm. had a lot, mm. and mm. that's what privilege means. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, you didn't earn it. Like you were just born, or, or you were lucky, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, and then you have to, that's your responsibility. But even if you have worked, like there's always like people who have made a lot of money or have businesses or whatever and they're like, oh, but I worked hard for my money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but people earning minimum wage are also yeah. working hard. Yeah. Well, this is, oh, people earning nothing are working hard. Yeah. Like, well, this is the thing that I found like so shocking about Venezuela is even the minimum wage and food stamps is barely enough to get just get regular amounts of food it's yep. not as if it's like yeah. oh people can't save people can't move up you know yeah. there's like wage growth isn't there it's like actually minimum wage and food stamps at with inflation are actually not even yeah. allowing people to eat like it's barely enough money on top of the fact that petrol prices are insane no one can do anything it's people are literally scraping by that's mm. uh, the another another thing ab- about um venezuela the whole pr- Corruption thing, and I, yeah. I said this the other day. We we, we had a gig um, like a, a week ago, a few days ago. Yeah, that the the, the toilet paper situation mm-hmm. in, yes. in Australia, for <laughs> like in Venezuela, we had that for for many many years. Yeah, and not because of a pandemic; it's because of corruption. So the government takes a, a company just to steal the company, and because the company was private, and they consider themselves socialist, which is bullshit. Um, and they they take over the, the 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 factory, for example, of toilet paper, and then they do nothing with it. And they have to. They say they they are for the people because they regulate the prices. Mm. But then they cannot produce at those prices because mm. the government imports a lot of Venezuela imports a lot of uh, raw materials to make any many things. 
So if you are ma- if you're you have minimum wage on the food stamps, on top of that you have to buy a lot of stuff on the black market, yeah. and oh. that's a normal thing. And those the prices are exorbitant mm, because yeah. they're, they're the price of the black market. And I'm talking about cooking oil, staple, mm. basic things, sugar, mm. flour. Uh, toilet paper, yeah. bleach to clean stuff. Yeah, like that's that's, it's it's terrible. Like people, people mm. are eating mangoes. It's, it's a tropical place, so they're just eating mangoes, and that's the whole joke. About yes, about you do. <laughs> yeah, you do have a bit about that. Yeah, you, um, mangoes are for free. So, um, you did talk a lot about your immigrant experience yep. and about Venezuela in yep. your stand-up. How long? And by the way, I love this because yeah. part of my stand-up is to make people understand what it's like to be an immigrant. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's incredible that you can yeah use it as a vehicle to discuss yeah. social issues yeah. and uh, break those barriers with people. Because when you make them laugh, you make them understand too yeah. and they relate to you. How long after you moved to Australia did you start performing comedy here? So I was already doing comedy in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. For a few years. And um, so I, I arrived in Australia in January. And then my first open mic was after, right after the end of Adelaide Fringe Festival that year. Yeah. That's so not a lot of time. I think it's four months. Four months. Yeah. Four months. So Adelaide Fringe Festival finishes at the beginning of March or end of February. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, March, April. I, I mean, was. It- it's not a lot of time, but it is a lot of time for a comedian not to do a gig. A lot of yeah. time. Oh, no, totally. But I just meant more like you just said that your English was like good. Yeah. But like how good was your English to it get was, up on stage and do comedy? Because that's a totally different type of English. I, yeah. I, I studied from a very early age, but I'd never lived in a place where you speak English. So mm-hmm. all my English was spoken in Venezuela. Yeah. So um, and with with a lot of American influence. So the yeah. accent was very Americanized and... Uh, uh, but I, I part of the comedy that I used to do in Venezuela, I used to do a lot of a lot of um, accents and impersonations. So yep. I have that sort of a, a, a musical uh, ear to, that copies. So and, and I enjoy that because I have empathy, and I was like, I, I would like to to sound a bit more Aussie or to or to make Australians feel that I care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does it, I don't know if that. Yeah. Uh, so, so like using the slang and using the expressions and uh, yeah. and little by little starting something, m- m- my English, my pronunciation is more towards Australian than American, but mm. it's, it's because of the musical. And people see themselves reflected back at them. Yeah. In your comedy from an outside point of view, you mm. know, you talk about our sayings and you know, our bunning sausage chisels and that kind of thing. Yeah, and we, yeah. we're like, oh, yeah, we are really silly. <laughs> we do sound like yeah. really Our expressions silly. really are batshit yeah. insane. I, I think a lot about why we do things and how we do things. Yeah. And and in comedy, I think, um, I saw, I think, I don't know where it is now because I've tried to look for it on online, but I, I, I read this like seven years ago. It was it was an article on comedy where they used Louis C.K. as an example. Mm-hmm. The, back in the day, yep. Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's an old the, article. It, 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 yeah, an old article. Um, it was about that 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 basic foundational premise that we all have as comedians, and um, say so that not just comedy comedians, but every artist has like one basic premise that is. It's is the 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 tray that holds all the other premises, like mm-hmm. the the the, the <laughs> forklift uh, of, of all the other premises. And and um, in the analysis, so in the analysis of Lucy K was that Lucy K is, is ashamed of of himself. Yeah, that's the main. As thing. it should be. <laughs> as, yeah, as it should as it should be exactly. So we, he he was telling us a lot of truths. A lot of truths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Nobody was surprised. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I told this to a friend who is a musician and he was like, yeah, mm. when you study music, you say that like like Bach and, and Mozart and Beethoven, they all have uh, like a uh, like a scale mm. or or a sort of like a, 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 I don't know, like a harmony kind of that they all, their job can be um, filled, funneled, funneled yeah. into this basic thing. Yeah. And I, and I think part of I have this theory when I read that thing like if I can find my thing, I can I can 
I can write my my writing process can be easier because I have I have a direction. Mm. I give myself direction of how, to, and I'm still looking for it. But one of the mm. things that I thought is like I empathy is a thing that I, I mm. so I like to to give people the point like let's put myself in their shoes and put yourself yeah. in my shoes and and have that thing like I want to uh, the point of view is not of course when you change your point of view in something you that's that's what comedy is just seeing something from a different perspective but I also want want to do that into like let's understand why mm. like um like one of the things that at the beginning like when you hang out with other immigrants mm-hmm. it's just destroying Vegemite <laughs> and I'm like, hold on! Like, I don't, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like if, a, if if an immigrant comes to Venezuela and destroyed arepas, which is our oh, main thing. Yeah, but arepas are amazing, beautiful. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but but still, like, yeah. I, I think it's super disrespectful I, yeah. to to make fun of someone's food because mm. food is so. And I wanted to know why, 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 why Australians love like Vegemite? Why? Mm. But what? Can I just ask, do you like it now? I do. Okay, good, because it's great. Like, arepas are, are still... so much better than have Vegemite. You tried, have you tried arepas with Vegemite? Oh, no. Yeah. I still, <laughs> I still haven't tried Vegemite. Because, you know, what? having, um, you know, immigrant parents and you my mum was here for like a year before she started having kids. Mm-hmm. So she was like very fresh from Italy. And so she bought Vegemite once when we were growing. Well, I mean, we used to have Nutella, you know, <laughs> Nutella. But she bought it once. Before and it was it was popular. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just opened the jar and smelt it and I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't smell oh. like chocolate and hazelnut. <laughs> You've never so I've tried never tried it. it. No. <gasps> See, because I didn't like it as a kid because I was also a Nutella kid yeah, myself. Yeah. But do you like anchovies? No. That's the thing. Uh, so you, you're you obviously a professional comedian here in Australia, very accomplished, and you also did comedy in Venezuela. Yeah. Uh, what's were, were you professional there? Yeah. 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 Um, starting to be. Starting then, to be yeah, professional. Yeah. So semi-professional, yeah. emerging kind of yeah. thing. But you were still very much in the scene. Yeah. Um, so what are some major differences in you know professional comedy between the two countries in like the the industry yeah okay yeah. oh this is great first time i get they always ask me what's the difference between doing comedy in spanish and in english no, no, no. <laughs> boring it's the, it's the same uh, it's a thing different just language, different language. <laughs> yeah. that's it one is playing guitar the other one's playing piano <laughs> that's it um in the industry so venezuelan comedy um scene mm-hmm. is is fairly new compared to Australian yeah. or American or, or even or English. Um we when when that thing happened when uh, as I said before that that big um strike yep. right after that uh Chavez took power fully of of of, of the we're saying uh, there's a saying he grabbed the bull by the horns. Mm-hmm. It was complete and absolute power. Yeah, uh, the army was on his side, and everybody who hated him was out of his. Mm, he he fired. Cli- yeah, he yeah. fired. So the next thing he did was to cancel a TV um, station. Yeah, along with a lot of radio stations to mm. a network, a TV network, mm. and this TV network had the number one. Comedy sketch show yeah. of Venezuela every Monday, eight o'clock, for thirty something years. Fuck. It, yeah, it's it, like SNL. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, uh, I think it once it once was in a uh, Guinness World of Records as one of the longest running TV shows. TV yeah, shows? that's amazing. Wow. And and those radio that was the TV and mm. the radio stations and pretty much every famous comedian in Venezuela came from that TV show. Yeah. There was no comedy scene. There was no comedy club. There was no stand-up. It was just that show, and famous comedians who did shows. They already they just got on stage and filled a, a, a theater because they were famous from the mm. telly, and that's it. Yep. And um, that happens. the The radio stations also had some, you know, like worldwide. We know that uh, radio and comedy are very uh, linked, connected. Yep. Related, 
um, thesaurus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I forgot to bring mine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, they um, a lot of com- funny people on radio stop being there because they just because they had the editorial of of these networks were very anti his government and well we don't, I don't want this so done from from overnight fuck nothing it was gone so there's this need of entertainment in the form of comedy mm-hmm. in Venezuela that was was increasing and then it was a, a very a uh, 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 Lucky thing that there was just one guy who lived in Spain, and in Spain they call it they call it they don't call it stand up, they call it comedy monologues. Right. <laughs> so Mo- it sounds like a robot wrote that. <laughs> comedy monologues. <laughs> monologos de comedia. Okay. So he started doing stand up in Spain. He was Venezuela. He was living in Spain. Mm. He started doing stand up in Spain. He was like, we don't have that in Venezuela. And then he started the typical Monday night open mic yep. in a place in a in a club. And there was such a big need of it that it bec- in less than a year, it was the thing. Yeah. Mm. And it started with like he didn't know about the five minutes or three minutes and open mics and because it was just, I just need people to go on stage and I used yep. to give them fifteen minutes Fuck. to yeah. complete novices. Wow. <laughs> and 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 something I think I I I think that the audience. Also becomes a comedy audience with practice, like they and and Venezuela didn't have that that live comedy uh, uh, training. Yeah, and and so I became a friend of mine. Told me this is happening. We should do this. You're very funny. You because he's there's a different thing in Venezuela where telling jokes is a thing. Like jokes that like learning a lot of jokes. Yeah. So and and I I used to. To change the jokes and put more impersonations and extend them and try to find get the more laughter out of them. He's like, "You're very funny, man. Let's do stand up." I was like, "What stand up? Well, you know, have you ever seen Seinfeld? Yes, I, I, that's stand up. <laughs> I, I can't do that. I can't. I can't do that. Like that's for very smart people who are uh, brilliant in funny things. Like, no, no, man, this is the thing you do. And in America, because he, my friend, used to live in America in Boston, and he, he used to. And then um, um, we prepared a lot, and he was like, "If we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it right." So we read books, we transcribed uh, routines on YouTube, we oh. we we started uh, understanding premises. Like we have to get have clear what a premise is. It's not just a thing we say. It's a thing for stand up. It's a more, more specific and punchlines and 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 releasing of tension and creating tension and 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 write even write because nobody wrote anything for those fifteen minutes. Mm. And then, um, then we wrote something, and we was obviously better than the rest because it had a you'd structure. You thought about it. Yeah, mm. we thought about yeah. it. Yeah, well, you'd studied it. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, we give it a few months, like a few months, like we're not ready, we're not ready. And then my friend, okay, we're ready. And then we even tried it. We we did gigs at home with friends, what? putting a microphone and a little lamp. Like COVID times. Yeah, 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 exactly the <laughs> yeah. same. Just to get used to the thing and trying yeah, to understand right. if it's working or not. That's yeah. so great. So that happened in, I don't know, when was that? 2007. And then um, I was part of that first generation of, I say, 15, 20 comics in Venezuela. That's incredible. Yeah, mm. yeah. The OG, literally. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, it got to a point with that friend of mine. We found another friend. We all we we started a, a, a um, three comedians uh, show. Yeah. What a, a, a split split the split show? bill show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we we f- there's no festivals, no rock comedy, no competitions, nothing. So we got to a level where we can we started making money. We started you know being interviewed in radio. And one thing that got us a lot of work was those famous comedians from the telly in corporate shows, they were charging the a amount lot. the amount they deserve. Mm. Yep. But a, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. And we were new. And then corporate people started contacting us uh, and, yeah. and we went, ah, let's give them a big amount of money. And that amount of money was like even ten times less yeah. than than this because we had no idea how much mm. they were charging. So we were getting a lot of corporate 
shows. Wow. What we did, that we used, we used to sell the show of the three of us for a corporate gig. Yep. We were getting lots of corporate gigs. We started making money. I was I was still working in a brewery in Venezuela, and then after after a few years of doing that, we went okay, let's I'm making money. I'm getting. I started uh, working in a radio show. Um, the the drive, like what what do you drive call it? Time. Drive time, mm, yeah. like the six o'clock, yep. seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. We I did na- in a not the main radio station, but one of an important radio station. We were yep. Monday to Friday drive time with Amazing. two other guys, and um, touring around the country. Wow. We even went to Miami and did because there was a lot of Venezuelans in Miami. Yep. We went a, a couple of times to Miami, so. To answer your question, I don't know if I answered the question. That is very different. Well, you've set up the sort of scene and incarnation of the comedy scene in yeah. Venezuela. And yeah. and were these shows like very well attended? Did you get big audiences? Yeah, because yeah. there was a neat like, like I think the comedians were as as um, surprised as the audience of. Oh, we never had that. We should have yeah, had this for yeah. a long time. What's yep. going on? So you were saying that obviously by coming to Australia, writing comedy, you're talking about immigration stories, you're talking about assimilating and and how you're experiencing Australian culture. And it's a great way for you to reflect, but it's also a great way to get people to empathise with you and to yeah. empathise with immigrants. Love yeah. it. It's awesome and yeah. hilarious. It's funny because you're making fun and questioning silly things that we do, but then also you're loving it as well. So yeah. I think it's a really endearing thing but to write way, about. That's with every what I wanted to say with the with the interview and the that's with every every human you meet. Mm-hmm. It should be the same. I agree. There's a lot of heart um, behind your comedy. You have Definitely. to ask and be interested because mm. otherwise, why? Yeah, and you can tell there's an element of respect and love and excitement for learning all these things, but then also being like, what the fuck are you doing, you crazy people? And that's awesome. I guess what I want to know is when you were in Venezuela, what were you speaking about? What were you Very writing about? Good question. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Excited. Um, Someone should give us a radio show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, in Venezuela, no. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, I went to Spain before going to mm-hmm. So I lived in Australia. Then after Australia, I went to Spain. I lived there for a year and a half. And those experiences in those two, because uh, overall was like three and a half years, um, I could see when I return, I could see, I could put myself into a foreigner's point of view. Mm. So I did pretty much the same. Cool. And um, I was trying to explain my people, Venezuelans, through the difference that I've seen around the world, yeah, what Venezuelan is like, because you 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 don't have an idea unless you have a comparison. Yeah. So I was giving them the comparison, also in a positive way, like never yep. being like, we're fucked. Yeah. More like, we are the best. We're fucked, but we're the best. Yeah. <laughs> like that. And, yeah. <laughs> and maybe like. Why why are we like this? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Did you, would you say that your work ever got quite political? Like is there any kind of this uh, is an ignorant uh, question, uh, but is there a lot of danger in in speaking the, like that? So, um I lived the world before, during and after that. So, before uh Chavez was very light about, didn't care much. Yep. And then um after this whole revolution of changing pretty much everything he actually changed the 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 flag and the coat of arms mm. wow imagine how expensive that is mm. you have to change all the notes the currency mm-hmm. all the official stamps everything yeah passports everything changes yeah. jesus no change those two things um only because he was like yeah i'm the new guy here i'm going to change everything he actually changed the name of the country it used to be Republica de Venezuela, Venezuelan Republic, and then he turned into Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela. Wow. So is this a power thing once yeah. again? Mm. Yeah. 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 It's pissing He's off swinging his dick around. Yeah. Yeah. So before, nothing. You could do anything. And then we were still uh, a non-influential. No, we were not important in, yeah. in, in, in the media or in politics. But then... One um, improv group that has been doing uh, shows for over 10 years, I think, 
in the same theater, very uh, uh, clown uh, in you know improv in clown. You know, there's different levels of mm, improv, yeah, so they were clown improv, mm-hmm. physical uh, theater. Yeah, and they were great, and uh, they always had a, a, a big audience in a in a in a theater. They never changed the theater, and this theater was a public theater, belonged to the to the government. And um, you know those those um, improv games where you you you're an audience and and then you write things in papers mm-hmm. and they put in a hat and then they they have Act different mm-hmm. they have different yeah. games but they but they get inspired according to what people mm-hmm. that week days before a famous Venezuelan politician who was part of Chavez um, group team died. Um, um, drowning in a car accident. Mm. There was a car, it was a river involved, and then the guy Jesus. died. Someone in the audience mm. wrote something about it. Of course they did. <laughs> and then the guy who, who was responsible for uh, for playing that note or not, mm-hmm. he gave it a go and they played it. Yeah. And someone from from the government and the theatre was there. Mm. Yeah. They heard the thing and they cancel for life that improv, uh, improv group in that mm. theater. That was the beginning. Yeah. When all these things starts happening, the 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 few bars because it's not not like here. There's clubs everywhere. The few bars that had some live comedy, uh, this started telling us and telling the the guy who's running the gig, hey, um, we know what happened. It's all over the news about just like. Could you please not do anything? Uh, um, please, please don't make fun of the Chavez or the government because I don't know if someone here is from the government yeah. and they won't do anything to you, but they're going to close or they're going to find my mm. and I don't want that. Yeah. So it was an indirect censorship. censorship mm. yeah. And um, I used to, I wasn't, Every comedian was poli- like political. Like uh, it, the, the more the, the worse the co- country became, it's like when you see like a lot of Trump jokes like, mm. like that. Yeah. But because um, I was good at impersonations and stuff, so I, I, I used to impersonate the the. But I used to do like weird um, uh, mixes comedy like mixed jokes. Like I said, like this guy's a fucking asshole, but he's charismatic. Like he should have been a great uh, football commentator. <laughs> and I and I just took like. If this guy was my uncle and he wasn't a politician, I would have loved him. Yeah. <laughs> but he is a, <laughs> he's a politician because the charisma of the guy was in, in, yeah. incredible, but his ideals were terrible. Mm. So I used to do jokes like that, so impersonating the, the president, just being uh, 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 very out loud, funny football commentator. <laughs> That's, I didn't do much over that. I was, I was very personal. More about the idiosyncrasy of Venezuela. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Crazy. And when you came here and decided to start comedy, how did you how did you start? How did you break into the scene? I um I really wanted to do it. I think I told you the story the other night. Yeah. Um I, I I wanted I wanted to keep doing comedy. I wasn't sure I was gonna make it as a uh, as a full time job, but I just wanted uh, I thought it was gonna be my hobby for the rest of my life. Mm. But I really wanted to do it in English. So what I did, um, as soon as I arrived to Australia, I think on the on the first week, I I enrolled in the Australian radio school. There's a little school radio school in Adelaide, and because I knew, because I did radio in Venezuela, I knew that radio yep. and comedy were very well connected, and I wanted to feel comfortable speaking to a mic in yep. in, in English, and. Um, that led me to asking my teacher if if he knew any any speech coaches, and then I went into to six uh, coaching sessions with someone who in Adelaide uh, works um, coaching the news anchors in in yeah. TV. Cool. And she was so nice because I told her my story. I said, "Just just arrived in Australia," and she was like, "I'm not going to charge you." professional as, as if as if you were a professional i'm gonna tell you as if you were a student yeah because you won't be able to afford this like oh. so um and uh, on the sixth so all the exercises like reading out loud and over 
enunciating and over exaggerating the pronunciation and just to be more fluent and get the muscles going and my face hurt and uh, uh, one day she was like listen uh, if you really want to be understood because my concern was I want people to understand the words because mm-hmm. I know sometimes the accent can be confusing and people go what did he say and if they go like that they won't get the joke mm-hmm. and she says I understand everything you say if you want a London BBC accent, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then I went, okay. And that gave me, uh, you know, I needed someone to go, you can do this. Mm. I, someone confidence. who is not a, a Spanish native speaker. I wanted yeah. like a proper English speaker. And then the, the day, so I wrote my, my routine and the day I, I was doing my first open mic, uh, I was telling Sonia, I cried like a baby out of, positive emotion like mm-hmm. I, I'm always going back back on stage I was having this conversation with a friend today um uh the with Jacques you know Jacques yeah. like, he, he, he's here in Melbourne he was the the dopamine rush remember the after that gig I was so excited I was couldn't stop talking it was like there's something like you desensitize of it when you do it too much the whole year and now that yeah. we've done we haven't done it for a while and then we do it we can feel it physically in yeah. like with the the rush we can feel it back like it's a combination of adrenaline and and all the all those good like you feel like oh i you i think at the beginning of our careers when we feel that but then when it becomes our job you're doing don't, six or seven gigs every week you and don't, you don't you are desensitized yeah. yeah and it's back again which is a great thing yeah, you you realize what you've been missing. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. This is the feeling. This is like, the feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you had Beautiful. that f- f- sort of feeling when you first even, started. Even before the gig. And how did your first gig go? Great. Wow. It went great. Yeah. yeah. In that that open mic, the rule was you will get on stage mm-hmm. if you bring three paying guests. Right. So I brought three paying. Bring guests. a gig. Yeah. We're kind yeah. Of cold in yeah. And mm. so, so you can, uh, you know, there's open mics. Everybody's going to try new material, and mm. uh, you know, the the people who run in the gig they need an audience. Yeah. <laughs> so, the the trick was, the organizer usually Michael Bowley, who is run, who used to run that gig, and another other comics that were not doing a gig that night, were going to judge the best of the night. And if you're the best of the night, you don't get to pay. You don't get to bring three other. Guest three paying guests the next week. Cool. Oh, right. So right. I got that when also, I when wow. I when I did that open mic night. Yeah, mm. and that's the reassurance of you can do this and and we need those little signs that you can do it. Like yeah, it's a bit of push from 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 the universe saying yeah keep going yeah yeah you're you like if you forget that if you if you're afraid just listen you you just. Just beat a few other guys in a different language. You can do this. Yeah. yeah. Gives you confidence. Yeah. So are both of your parents still in Venezuela? No, they moved to Spain. They moved to Spain. Oh, yeah. so they're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, live yeah. in Zaragoza. How have they reacted to your comedy career? Do they, yeah, does it translate how yeah. well the, you've done here? Um, it, it, that's, that's another good question because mm. um, I, I've always changed many times. Like I've. I finish things, but then I change. Yeah, and um, in career-wise, and because um, I was studying business and I wanted to cooking school, and then my mom was like, "Listen, you can study cooking, whatever, but you have to finish business. Like, yeah. you, you're not mm. gonna quit something to start one other thing because that's gonna give you a wrong idea yeah. of the world." So it's like business, cooking, beer. Comedy. My family's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Um, but I, w- I wasn't doing it crazy. Like uh, when I when I swapped to to comedy, I n- I was being very uh, still res- working? responsible, working at, yeah. uh, in, yeah. in, in in brewing. Yeah. Um. So they supported me as this is another thing. He's gonna do it great, but then he's gonna change. Mm. And then when I was in Adelaide. And I was, or it was my very first headlining gig mm-hmm. ever in English. My mom was in Australia visiting and she came to the show. Mm-hmm. And after that is when she said, I wasn't sure comedy was your thing. 
but just seeing you making just people laugh in another language yeah and being respected and going like yeah <sighs> this is your thing that's nice like she ac- until then she yeah. accepted yeah. it yeah. does she speak english not advanced low medium high amazing yeah, yeah. oh yeah. that's fab that's oh that's yeah. really she, nice she can fully communicate like yeah yeah, yeah yeah how yeah. cool yeah sometimes it takes Something like that for parents to get on board with, like, yeah. oh, okay, this can be a thing. Yeah, is, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's great. What a yeah. beautiful story. Thank that's you. Nice. And uh, our episode on. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. And I will. I want to be back and just talk about food. We <laughs> would love to have you back. Like, why Please. are we talking about comedy when we can talk about food? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. We I have. Um, yeah, we try and stick to a couple of topics with our guests so we can delve into them deeply which I, I feel like we've done but it does mean that there are many things left unturned yeah. and unsaid yeah. so we would absolutely love to have can you I back do a little plug absolutely Please. where can people find you uh i think at the time uh, this podcast is out my finally my special the fourth floor which mm-hmm. is the show i did uh for the festival season last year yep 2019 uh is going to be on vimeo on demand cool yep. Please buy it because we don't have money. When does it get released? I think it's going to be released uh, next week. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. So it will be out. so, and we'll put we'll put Ivan's um, links Ivan, and details. Yeah, Ivan Comedy yeah. on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And we'll put them in the show notes. Definitely check him out. Check oh, out. Yeah. His Your YouTube clips. channel is. Amazing. <laughs> I, I've had a lot of fun watching them. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thank yeah. you to all our wonderful listeners. We hope you've enjoyed season two. As I said, we are taking a bit of a break and uh, we'll continue our bonus episode and bonus rewards for Patreon listeners. Mm-hmm. Bless those Patreon listeners. Yes. Um, if you do enjoy the show, please subscribe, leave us a review, share it with your friends. We're just starting this up and trying to get the word out there. Mm-hmm. Your mum, your zias, everybody. Yeah, your nonnas. Your share your privilege and uh, <laughs> yes. uh, and uh, yeah, independent producers, artists. Uh, if you want to help them, you, we're not putting anything out there. Like, give us some money. Just put a like and subscribe and share. Yeah, that's you don't you know it's not expensive. No, that would be beautiful if you can do that for us. We'll be back with season three with more amazing guests and uh, really insightful chats. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Ciao, Michi. Thanks for listening to Who the Bloody Hell Are We? If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Audio production and original music is by Andre Christodoulou. Search for us on Facebook for more information about our guests, fun content and to keep the conversation going.